Oh, yeah. This week on Two Dynamite Dudes, Marcus and I talk Scorpio Sky regaining the TNT title against Sammy Guevara. FTR channel Brett and Owen in their one-on-one battle. Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland tears down the house. Whose house? Swerve's house. Wardlow versus W. Morrissey? You can't teach that. Blackpool Combat Club continues cracking skulls. Eddie Kingston, friend of the show, takes a fireball after a fire promo. Serena Deeb sets sights on Thunder Rosa. Hookhausen and so, so much more. This week on 2, 2, oh, it is 2, Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage. And I got a mustache, oh yeah. What's up, everybody? This is Marcus D'Angelo of AdFreeShows.com. I'm joined by my slapdick, unprepared brother, Dominic of WrestleZone.com and Podcast Heat and AdFreeShows. Uh, and we are two dynamite dudes on a rampage. Dom, what's going on? You got some You got some lag. Got some tech issues happening. I'm going to exit out and then hop back in. So, Marcus, you're just going to vamp it up here. But, yeah, we're live. Join on in. Get some questions in. Everything like that. I'll be right back. All right? Boy, oh boy, we got plenty to talk about without your dumbass in here slowing us down. So we're just going to go ahead and get rolling on it. Uh, Steven Chambers, what's up, buddy? Welcome to the party. John Howard, welcome back, my friend. And uh, guys, we're, we got we got a lot to talk about this week. Holy, holy cats. Uh, yeah, John John is commenting on Dom's stash. Very, uh, very Dax Harwood of Dominic with that stash. And by the way, uh, that is one of the topics. Look at this weird... Is everybody getting this weird like bar in the middle of my face? It's pretty strange. Jason Campbell, what's up, buddy? Um, but in any case, uh, I had a great transition. I fucked it up because of this bar distracting me. But uh, Dax and Cash, guys, I think that that's probably the best place to start because it did open the show. But also because that's one of the best matches I have seen on AEW Dynamite. I'm curious as to what you guys think about it, but. I mean, let's let's just start with the gear for crying out loud. That uh, throwback Bret Hart gear um, or Hart Foundation gear, it was incredible, and it was spot on to their old school jackets where it's got their name and the skull and like the triangle on the back of it. So that was like such a cool call out. And by the way, those guys and their gear is just some next level shit. They did uh, the NWO gear. They did like uh, the Midnight uh, Express gear. Uh, like Bobby Eaton kind of stuff. It was just really awesome, awesome tribute. And by the way, I don't know about you guys, but in my head, I was like, I think that Bret Hart might come out at the end of this match because it, it felt like a special match. They certainly built it up to be something really special, right? Where you've got these two tag partners who happen to be two of the best technical wrestlers in the world and uh, they're facing each other for the first time. So it was, I don't know about you guys, but to me, I was like, I think Bret Hart might come out at the end of this match. Like maybe they'd be shoving each other or something. And then uh, Bret Hart comes out to break it up and tell them that they're the two best in the world. And they need to work together and they need to work together with him. I mean, to me, that was that was where it was going, but it didn't. But really, it didn't detract from the match. Uh, Stephen Chambers, he agrees. Uh, it was a good match, and he dug the gear. Um, but yeah, just you know, two performers that know each other so unbelievably well in the ring. I mean, it's it doesn't get much better than those two. 
um, you know, as, as tag team wrestlers, they have taken it to a completely different level and they're doing it without having to do all those crazy high spots. They're doing it while being able to tell a story. You know, I heard Conrad Thompson say on one of the podcasts that like, if you could take Arn and Tully, uh, and get them into like a quantum leap situation and leap them into the future, it's probably these guys. Like this is what they, this is what Arn and Tully would be. Um, in these days, John is asking who I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, uh, tag team partners, FTR. They had a match on Dynamite. They opened it up. It was for the uh, Owen Hart uh, tournament. And uh, I mean, yeah, just unbelievable, unbelievable work. It really was like watching Arn and Tully in a wrestling match. Except these guys can do some of the crazy stuff. And by the way, I'm not sure if you guys saw it, but somebody online posted and I'm going to track it down and post it on my personal Twitter. So give me a follow at Marcus PD Angelo uh, if you want to see that because I will find it. But um, it was like image and image, or rather uh, uh, video and video side by side of uh, FTR and some of the people that they really love in pro wrestling. And they were doing all the same stuff. Nesha, what's up, girl? Um, they were doing some of the same stuff. So it was like they took something from Owen and Bret Hart. And they took something from Razor Ramon versus Bret Hart. And they were just like kind of doing these awesome little callbacks to some of these classic matches from the new generation era. Which, by the way, you know, they're my age. So they grew up in the new generation era. And they loved those guys. They loved Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, which is why they were doing that that uh, FTR, NWO gear gimmick lookalike. Um, they love Bret Hart, which, again, that gear was just fucking fire. Um, so it's getting to see these guys work. It was such a rare occasion. Such, uh, and, and honestly, it's I'm trying to think if we'll ever see it again. Probably not, because those two are very much married as tag team partners. I don't think that they're interested in having singles careers like most people are. You know, it's nowadays in modern wrestling, it seems like what happens is, uh, you know, the, the creative people. <laughs> Nesha, I made it. I made it. Uh, thankfully. And Dominic, or rather, Nesha, I don't know if you were in here for this, but Dom was having some tech issues, so he had to reboot his computer. But he's jumping right back on here in a minute. So in the meantime, I'm just rambling. But uh, I, so nowadays, it seems like tag teams are formed of people that like creative services don't know what to do with in pro wrestling. Right. Where it's like you've got a guy like Matt Riddle, for example, like, oh, man, this guy's got great potential. Well, let's put him with Randy Orton. Randy Orton will give him the rub and uh, he can learn through Randy. And then hopefully one day this will help build him into a future superstar. And it's anytime they they match a tag team nowadays. It seems like there's that kind of implied, okay, who's going to wind up being the big star? Oh, who's going to get over as a result of this so that they can get out of doing tag team stuff? I don't think that that's an interest for Dax or Cash. Um, so it's it's really interesting to, uh, to, to have the opportunity to see those guys work for probably what will be the first and last time. Uh, Nesha saying fire Dom. I'm in. Let's get him off the damn podcast. He had a terrible mustache. Not sure if you saw that, Nesha. It, it was hideous. Um, so frankly, I, I hope that right now he's shaving while, while his computer reboots, it would just be doing all of us a favor, but no, I'm, I'm curious as to what everybody thought about that match. Um, you know, so please uh, drop your comments in and, and, uh, let's get a little discussion going back and forth on it because I mean, to me, match of the night easily. And, uh, just again, just one of those like once in a lifetime, very, very rare opportunities. Um, so here's the other match that I wanted to talk about. And I, I don't know, I haven't made any bones about uh, the style of wrestling that I like, right? Um, 
it's it's kind of like it's rooted in old school it's got some kind of fun new school vibes to it but for the most part i really like the old school way of wrestling and telling a story in the ring and nowadays there's really there's there's a handful of people who are really masters at it certainly both members of ftr are masters of that style but who's really 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 unbelievably good at it is serena deep um and we got to see it uh on on wednesday john you're talking about the briscoes they work so good together as well they do and let me tell you um the briscoes versus ftr in dallas i happen to be in dallas i was unable to attend because i was working somewhere else but but man you go back and watch some that stuff just absolute pure fire that's just saying this is weird we just get marcus uh you know, never have I have I missed Dom's company, but I feel like I could I could use the hot tag. But no, no, I, I think everything's going fine. Let's talk Serena Deep, gang. Um, and by the way, if you have any questions or comments that you guys want to make uh, about any specific matches to help me make segues, by all means, drop in. Um, but no, so, so Serena Deeb, Hikirishita. Um, I'm curious as to what everybody thought about that match because, you know, initially as I'm watching it, I was like, uh, I don't think I like these two style. You know, I've, I've seen them work before. And, you know, the bar has always been Thunder Rosa uh, and Serena Deeb. You know, those two really set the bar high with some of their matches. Uh, actually, let me jump out of this real quick and acknowledge what Steven's saying. Prayers to the Briscoes, family emergency. I did see that. They had to pull out of a spot. Um, so all the all the best blessings to them uh really hoped everything's okay last i heard um wife and baby are both in stable perfectly rather rather good condition so let's hope that it remains that way but uh but prayers up um but anyways uh on paper those two are not it's like it's like second best to thunder rosa and serena deep right where thunder rosa and serena deep they had such good chemistry and every time they stepped into the ring together it was just pure magic watching those two so you know the hikaru shida feud uh comes along and i'm just like yeah i mean it was okay it was fine you know but this whole philly street fight thing that they they tried this time around holy shit uh it worked it really worked, um, you know, especially because these are not two women who are known for like their outside the ring rumbling prowess. Right. Uh, I mean, it's certainly not Serena Deeb. She's like she's as old school classic wrestler as it gets. Um, so to get to see those two in that kind of a conflict, uh, I think it raised the stakes. It made it really interesting. And uh, let me tell you, Serena Deeb with that giant shiner at the end of it, because I think she got cranked in the face by the. Uh, by uh by a kendo stick it's like man that was that was just a nasty blow uh so but i mean she was like kind of grinning at the end and she had this giant black eye and i mean you could see it was really really raised she must have really got drilled with that kendo stick but i mean um it's such a great match i did not expect uh serena deep to go over i really didn't i thought that uh, you know in my head i was like oh, okay hikaru shida she's kind of like been on and off and she was champ and i was like yeah this is probably uh, the time that that um deep finally loses which by the way i would not have agreed with i think that serena deep is one of those rare talents that like you've got to kind of push her to the moon and make her losses very very few and far in between um, but so I, it was a very happy surprise for me to see that Serena Deeb went over in the match. And it's very clear, as uh, Steven said here, I don't know how Dominic highlights people's comments. I wish I could, but uh, I think you have to be the host on this thing to do it anyways. But in any case, uh, as Steven said, uh, Deeb versus Rosa going to be a great match. Looks like double or nothing pay-per-view. Man, 
let me tell you, uh, I I love it. And when I saw Thunder Rosa watching the TV after that segment, like, okay, all right. Uh, it's I was like, holy shit, these two, they're going to do it again. So I, I believe it was it was more than a year ago. It was definitely more than a year ago that uh, Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb had their, their really phenomenal matches for the NWA women's title. Um, so, yeah, I'm really, really psyched to see what those two are going to do. John Howard saying it's better than Flair and Ronda. You know, for my st- <laughs> you can make an argument one way or the other i can see i can see the perspective of okay flair and ronda was better because of what a spectacle it was and all the build to it and the stage it was on right i think that you can make that argument where it's like how many people did it draw um oh dom's dom and his mustache are back i was telling people <laughs> i was hoping you would shave it uh while you were while your computer was rebooting uh, how's it looking am i uh laggy at you know all? What? You know, with with all the red, it's very Super Mario Brothers. Hey, it's um, me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's. I, I think you're fine. It seems like there's there might be a slight lag, but it's it's nothing we can't get over. Yeah, there's a slight lag, but whatever. Uh, but in any case, what I was saying was, I think that you could certainly make the argument that Flair versus Ronda was a better match than Serena um, and and Thunder Rosa just due to the spectacle of it, right? Where it's like, it's on the biggest stage in pro wrestling. There's all this hype that's behind it. So you could, you could certainly make the argument. However, from a technical standpoint, it's not even fucking close, right? Uh, to me, it's, it's Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa have set the bar. And Are you it's just saying um, from the, uh, from uh, Backlash, what's coming up with Backlash here, Flair and Ronda? No, I, uh, I believe he was referencing WrestleMania. Well, so, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, John Howard said better than Flair versus Ronda. And oh, yeah. So, you know why? Um, hey, Dom, I was right in the middle of making a fucking point there, bub. Hey, you know, you come in here and fucking drop in with your fucking mustache, and you just think you can take it over. No, go ahead, dude. No, I think, um, yeah, honestly, that Flair-Ronda match did not really translate over well for me. Like, I thought it was an okay match, and it was good. But, like, you know, Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch tore it down for at WrestleMania. So, like, and you guys are talking about Sheeta and Serena Deeb, correct? Uh, yes, correct. Yes? Okay, thanks for paying attention. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> um, but but no, yeah. the transition was that uh, it was a good match. It was better than we expected. Uh, at least that's what I'm saying. Better than I expected. And I think it was because they added the stipulation of the, the street fight, where this is one of those rare instances where that actually helped the match as opposed to hindering it. Um, and that giant shiner that Serena had on her face at the end of it was just a wild scene. Um, but really, it, you know, where, where I was going with the entire thing was uh, Serena Deeb, uh, or rather Thunder Rosa looking at the TV screen at Serena Deeb, like, okay. And uh, somebody up here, I believe it was Stephen Chambers, made the point, like, probably double or nothing. And it's like, that's where that match belongs. Totally, man. Totally. You'd line that up, too. You know, you have those two go at it. You have... Punk and Hangman Page go at it. Uh, you're setting, and who knows what else you got planned up going for it. Like the finals of the Owen Hart Cup, you know, that's going to, I that takes place at double or nothing. So, I mean, you got some good stuff cooking. And so, uh, you know, Serena Deeb and Thunder Rosa, they have a history like from, you know, when uh, Thunder Rosa was the NWA champion. So, uh, um, it's cool stuff. It's I think this is going to be a good payoff, and they can really build to a good feud with these two. I get more. Airtime for both Deeb and for um, and for Thunder Rosa, you know, I would make it like really put the highlights on them, you know, for sure. Um, no doubt about it. Yeah. What else? Yeah, uh, 
What'd you kick off the show with here, Mark? Well, um, we kicked it off with uh, Dax and Cash. I was talking about how their uh, their gear game is just next level. They had the the Scott Hall NWO gear the one time. They had Bret Hart. They had like Bobby Eaton gear. Um, so I mean, like just right out of the gate when they come out with that gear, it's like this is awesome. And then the match itself was just pure fire. Go ahead and comment, Dominic, because I rambled on it for a while. Oh, good. Did you see? Did you talk about how they had the another side by side? They went like. Brett and Owen, Brett versus Owen. Uh, they patterned a lot of the match off of that. That was what I said. And they also uh, Razor Ramon and Brett. Yep, yep. Some really cool stuff happening there. It was neat. Um, no, it was a great opener to the to the show. The, honestly, I thought they could have main evented with that one, you know? Uh, yeah, it could. Uh, when, uh, honestly, when I when I heard that that match was booked, I was like, oh, okay, so that, that should be the main event. Probably will be. But uh didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, Dom Nesh is calling for your fucking head. Um, <laughs> Jason Campbell, Dom being disrespectful to Bianca. No, that's Lynch, Dom. I, how? I said, that was, I said that was the that's the best match at WrestleMania. Was that, that match? Like, right, hands down. I thought, you know, from a in ring standpoint, and everything. I thought that was a great, yeah, that was the best match of, of Mania the whole weekend, honestly. Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Ooh, I don't um, know. Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes coming out that weekend was just something else. I mean, that was the big that was big. That felt big time. I think you combine the match, like that that Becky match and Bianca match with Cody coming out, Austin main event. It was like one of the best. I know we're getting sidetracked, but it was one of the best manias, I think, in years. In years. Right. Night one. Night one. Um but no man. Uh no, it was a great opener. I'm really excited. Like this Memorial Cup. Uh, for Owen Hart is looking shaping up pretty darn good. With, look at who we got in here. We got Samoa Joe. We got Adam Cole. We got Kyle O'Reilly. We have um, now we just have Darby Allen who was just added into it. Now the do you see what matches uh, next week Wednesday, Mark? Um, no. What do we got next? We got Bobby Fish versus Jeff Hardy in a qualifying match. Uh, so, wow. Yes. So if they're getting some good competitors in there did you happen now did you watch rampage at all or did you not get a chance to uh no i did not catch any rampage so maybe you can catch me up on it a little bit yeah i tell you what swerve strickland and darby allen win the qualifying match for for rampage holy shit that was great um i can't say enough about swerve strickland and like his uh presence he has in the ring the the facials that he has and then um just the body language and his ability and the smoothness that he goes um, and his ability to sell, you know, Darby's such a great seller too, but I think um, Swerve really showcased himself in this match. And uh, you know, they're furthering a few with Ricky Starks and him and uh, Keith Lee and powerhouse Hobbs. So like Darby got the win. So Darby qualified for, for the tournament, but like Swerve really put on a show. So it's, I think rampage is getting to be Swerve's house. <laughs> so it's, well, it was. Um, I think it, it's definitely one to go back and watch because they did some very cool, very hard hitting shit, and uh, you can tell these guys worked together before. Uh, yeah, Swerve is. I, I think that kind of pretty unlimited potential. Um, he he adds a lot to the program, so it's going to be exciting to see what he has to offer. And that's just saying she loves Swerve on WWE. So excited he's on AEW now. Which Dominic brings me to a little transition. Uh, there were some people released from WWE. Yeah. Oh, geez, um, I would. I forgot to even like write that down. But yeah, you're right. Right. 
Um, mm-hmm. And most notably, at least in my mind, I mean, they're, they're all notable. You know, these are all people who were good enough to be considered, uh, you know, for NW or WWE. So that means that they're they're skilled. Um, but really, to, in my mind, one of the most notable is Parker Boudreaux. After all that hype that he got, uh, he, he was known as Harlan, by the way, in, yeah. in NXT, which sucked. Um, you got you've got this guy with this incredible, incredible look, right? You put um, him in a jumpsuit. You put him in a jumpsuit and you shave his head. He's got he had that great hair. He had like Brian Bosworth type shit going on. And then they're like, hey, that's awesome hair. Shave all of it off. Um, yeah. which is just ridiculous. So this guy had this unbelievable, impossible to gain look. Uh, and they're just like, let's fuck it up and then fire him after a, fu- a couple months. Um, but so, I mean, he's on the free agent market and let me say, dude, I, I, I've been banging the drum. Like, Hey, there's not enough time. Hey, stop bringing people in. <laughs> we say, everybody, we say it, everybody. Right. Right. But, but let me tell you, Parker, Parker, that dude and that look, uh, if you can grow that fucking hair back, <laughs> uh, man, that, that dude is a beast. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I wrote about it today on WrestleZone um, that uh, Court Bauer said uh, that he, uh, Parker, would show up. He was a University of Central Florida. Uh, Marcus, we have a side story about University of Central Florida, don't we? Um, where um, he would show up with uh, his some of his linemen, like in the, in the for MLW shows. And Court Bauer says he's got uh, he's got potential to be one big player if he stays with it and keeps with it. You know, so, I mean, like, you look at what MLW's done for, like, EJ Naduka, who was released by um, WWE as Ezra Judge, he was released, and now he's tag team champion, one of the top stars in Major League Wrestling. So, I mean, somebody, for somebody to scoop up somebody like Parker Boudreaux, holy shit, I mean, that's, you're put, positioning yourself, a, he's got the look, he's got a presence, you can already tell. So, I mean, if those all line up, you can really build around him and, and uh, highlight who he is and what he looks like, you know, um, I very head scratching in a lot of ways. Uh, these, some of these releases like Dakota Kai, like, why wouldn't you call her up? Like if you're, if you're trying to build your women's division, because she's been there forever and she's, she's clearly shown that she's has the ability in the ring and some personality too, and everything like that. So it's just like, it's just so strange. Like, uh, I wonder what their thought process is with a lot of these guys. Like even Mal- Malcolm Biz- Bivens got released um great manager great personality kind of vibe to him where he was gonna you know go with diamond mind here and it's just so strange because you can really use utilize a lot of these like you know you need a new influx of talent for some of your roster on in WWE, and here you're just letting them go so um again with AEW, it's very tough right now because we're already talking about like how they need to fit people in and, and make people you know, highlight who they really hone in on certain stars. You know, I almost want to do, I was thinking about this this morning, Marcus, one of these weeks, I want to do a thing where we do, um, where we kind of showcase who we would put in certain spots in the roster, like, uh, and like hone in on a select few talent, kind of what I'm talking about. Like we, we build our own blueprint in a way. Um, I want to do that one of these weeks, but um, it's, yeah, dude. I want to see a lot of these guys and gals go somewhere and, and do something just hard to do right now with AEW and WWE together. You know, um, it's a lot of talent out there. It's like, it's a, you know, it's a bittersweet uh, kind of, kind of thing happening right now. Right. 
Oh, for sure. Um, you know, it, it really, it's as you were kind of talking there, uh, one of the things that really jumped out in my mind, and actually uh, Stephen Chambers is talking about uh, people going to ROH or, or Impact as opposed to uh, AEW. Um, uh, really, like if if I was going to go out and get um, Parker Boudreaux, he's going to ROH in my head um, it, just because you can help build that brand. And you can also position him around a lot of people who are who are more experienced, but also still very young in the business, right? Uh, so people who have more experience, but who can relate to him and who can kind of school him along. So yeah, dude, it's uh, it's it's the way to go. Um, Name cachet too. Name cachet. If you think about like, hey, Ring of Honor, like what does that stand for in a lot of the things? You think of Brian Danielson, think of Samoa Joe, you think of CM Punk, you think of Christopher Daniels, Jerry Lynn. Like the list goes on. Um, dude, like, I can't emphasize this enough. Back in, like, 1985, 1986, uh, the Boz, Brian Bosworth out of the University of Oklahoma, the Sooners, um, he was, like, he was a mainstream, huge celebrity because of, like, his look, his attitude. And it's, like, it, Parker Boudreaux is, like, a mulligan on the boss like hey what if what if the boss didn't go to the nfl and he went into the wrestling which by the way if he would have gone into wrestling he would have been the biggest star in wrestling in 1986 probably oh, like could you imagine of, the transit like him going up against the hogan or something like that because like, he'd have to be a heel yeah um so yeah him him against hogan i mean like he would have been a monster celebrity and now it's like hey uh you know this parker boudreau didn't quite have all the name cachet that boss did going in but He's got that like kind of he's got the same sort of look. It's like, man, we could we could legit get a mulligan on the buzz here, uh, you know, all these years, 35 years later. Um, so really, really hope they pull the trigger on it. Mark, I think that's an even better comparison too. even like people, I, you know, just by looking at Parker Boudreaux, you look at him and it's like, geez, Brock Lesnar 2.0. But like, I think. Boz is almost even a better comparison. Right? 100%. Yeah, because if you think about it, Brock Lesnar was this freak athlete, um, this once-in-a-lifetime, just like he, he was a freak. Um, he he was a guy who was Parker Boudreaux's size who can move like a cat. Now, I'm not saying that Parker Boudreaux can't do that, but can he do it as well as Brock Lesnar was doing it and back in, like, 2002? Nope. Um, so uh, I think that really more accurately, you've got to talk about uh, somebody like Brian Bosworth, somebody who made the transition from football into pro wrestling and did it pretty successfully. Well, oh, yeah. it would have would have done it successfully, rather. Yeah, for sure. And like, heck, the full circle, Marcus, he showed up at some AEW shows like when uh, when they're in Oklahoma. So the boss did. Oh, man, would have loved to have seen the boss back in the day, dude, with that look. God almighty, he'd have been a monster star. But he went into acting after his football career fizzled out. Yeah. Oh, man, he, I think he'd still be a personality uh, on wrestling, you know? I think it'd be fun to bring him in as, like, a part-time announcer or something, backstage interviewer. Or fucking have him manage somebody like a Parker Brujo or something. Oh, like could that. you imagine that? That would be wild. Or, like, that would be and wild. like just have him fucking, like, almost like uh, Dr. Dusty Williams, you know, how he had that fucking, like, Oklahoma Sooner vibe. I mean, JR would eat that shit up. Oh, for sure. Oh, that is mm -hmm. that is JR's JR's wheelhouse, right? Man, um, I did, somebody else, uh, Dexter Loomis, uh, former Sam Shaw, uh, well now Sam Shaw again, but uh, like what a look, and he really provided uh some really good entertainment from a WWE aspect, how they they positioned entertainment and everything like that. He embraced that wholeheartedly and like just gave this um like psychotic, very, very 
good vibe to himself. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of bummed to see him let go, but I'm optimistic for him too because I think the thing with Impact is Impact has a blessing of talent too where it's just like utilize these guys, make the most of them. And, you know, Sam Shaw obviously has his ties with Impact, so I could see him going back there. But, um, yeah, that's another talent um, that uh, I was bummed to see a name get gone, you know. So, yeah, it's a bummer, man. Like, um, it's just frustrating because – you know, we grew up in a time where uh, stars were highlighted when they were good, you know, and, you know, that they would their prime wrestling years were taken advantage of and made the most of. Nowadays, you don't get that benefit, you know, uh, of, hey, this guy's been around, this gal's been around, they've worked, they've shown that they have the capability to do something. There's just a certain aspect of it where it's just so much untapped talent that goes filters through WWE and to an extent, even AEW, where it's like the certain people don't get to get a spotlight and then you don't get to see more of them and things like that. You know, um, like Cody in a, in a lot of roundabout way with not just AEW, but WWE starting off too. like we when Cody left, we thought about, geez, like, look at all the matches that we didn't get to see Cody performing with AEW, you know, all the feuds. Right. It's, um, you know, it just really speaks to the amount of talent that's in the business and the great amount of options that there are but it really speaks to how you know flawed the wrestling main some of the mainstream wrestling system is where it's like we don't get the chance to enjoy these uh these stars become stars or go on a journey with them um so it's it's kind of it's it's frustrating in a lot of ways um but you know uh there are some definitely some good aspects like that you, you can still sink your teeth into and um uh, kind of where I'm going, I guess, with this um, is Scorpio Sky and uh, the main event. Um, I was very, very happy Scorpio Sky got the title back. Um, you know, I, I was speaking, I think it was to you about how they need to get the belt, a tag team belt on him quickly and quickly to like, if they're going to, if they're removing the belt from him this quick, they got to get something back on him and keep him hot. I think this was even better, Marcus, because you know what? At the end of that match, you, if you took a look, when he shook Kaz's hand, Frankie Kazarian came out and shook Kaz's hand to uphold a promise. He's like, hey, if I win this, I'm going to give him a shot. Look at Ethan Page's face and look at uh, Dan Lambert's face. They're setting up turn on Scorpio Sky. And um, I think that's going to be great because you're setting up Ethan Page versus Scorpio Sky. Two very good talents with Dan Lambert back in the heel position role uh, after he took a bit of a hiatus from that. So, um uh, something that I'm, I, I really liked. I don't care that they played a little bit of hot potato with the, the TNT title um, in this regard, because it did tell a story in a certain ways. And you saw characters go different routes. So I'm all right with it. And I think as long as they have Scorpio go on this run here for a while, I think the TNT title is still in good shape and still can very, very much mean a lot in the wrestling landscape. I thought it sucked. Really? Um, yep. I mean, the match itself was good, but like, I I hate that they're flip flopping that title so much. It, it's honestly making it worthless. Um, it really is. It's very much the same vibes as the Intercontinental title. You know, when Cody first had it, and then it was like Cody, and then it was Brody Lee. It was like, man, this title, uh, Miro. Darby. Like, man, this. Darby. Yeah, it's like, man, this title means something. You know, this is a title that, you know, the holder, you know, has earned it, and uh, he gets a little run with it, and. You know, it takes a while, but to me, it's like, uh, 
it, it feels like Tony Khan is like, okay, I, I want the world title to be really protected, but I still want to have fun, you know? I And so he's, like, having his fun with the TNT title. I hate it, and uh, I hate what they're doing. And you say, oh, well, I love the fact they put it on, uh, on Scorpio Sky, and I don't necessarily agree with that. What I disagree with is – or I don't necessarily disagree with that. What I disagree with is that they took it off him in the first place. What's the point if you're just going to put it back on him? What what I, did it do yeah, for anybody? What yeah. what did it do for for either either person? Nothing. No. Um. So I think really what what this has to do is that the crowd is kind of turning Sammy into a heel, um, and and Scorpio into a baby face. So they're like, oh, we should probably put the title back on him. It's like, ah, I don't know. I I think that I think there needs to be a better. They need to do a better job of telling a story. And they, yeah, and like I agree that it's, um, you know, having Sammy win it in the first place from Scorpio Sky didn't really do a whole lot. Like it didn't, like it didn't. I mean, maybe got Sammy some heel heat, but he was already getting that anyways. So, um, you didn't necessarily need to do that. Um, you know, I do think they, I think maybe what could have happened is they realized they did make a mistake by putting the title back on Sammy and, um, like trying to ride with it again, but, um, and again, maybe that's a, the thing with Co- maybe what they wanted to do is like, hey, so Cody was our three time TNT champion, but now he's not here anymore. So we need another three time champion to kind of overshadow that in a way. Maybe that was it. I have no idea. But I don't know. Like, yes, I agree. There's a better way to tell a story. I think they're on the right track, though, again, as long as. But Marcus, if he loses this in like two months or less, it's not good. And you can even add a little bit, you can add another month on there at least too. Um, it's, it's not good now. It's yeah. not good now what they're doing. Uh, you know, it's very like, it's like you raise Ramon Dean Douglas in like 95 with like this belt where it's just like, he's got it. He lost it. Um, it like it, it's, they're bastardizing the belt. They're making the belt not mean anything. And I think that that's a big problem. I think that all your belts should be like something that people strive for. You know, like that, that WWE 24 seven belt, you know, it's like getting exchanged at weddings and like, it doesn't mean anything. It means nothing. So why, why do these people, why are we investing in storylines that involve it? If it doesn't mean anything, right. Yeah. It's supposed to be this prize that people want to attain. And it's supposed to, it's supposed to mean like you make more money. Oh, you're closer to the, uh, the main event on the card as, as opposed to being like a curtain jerker. It's supposed to mean all these things, but like when you keep flip-flopping belts, it makes them literally worthless. Yeah. No, it's, there's certainly, yeah, I'm like with you on that. I think, um, they, again, I think that it's not damaged goods. I think it can still, you can still make that title mean a lot. Just keep it on Scorpio for, for a good amount of time. Heck run it through uh double or nothing, you know? I, that's hey that's a that's a month so yeah definitely do that sorry speaking of luigi oh my god dominic ridiculous. i'm really embracing the same i not ridiculous um oh nesh is saying hey i like 24 7 hush uh i'm not gonna take away the fact that there those segments are fun like it's 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 entertaining but like at the same time it's like you could you could still do the same thing without having this fucking belt it's worthless now <laughs> you know you could still have the same fun in in another way but yeah it's uh yeah hate hate that bullshit hate Marcus. that you make something like that worthless if somebody tried to give me the 24 7 belt i'd be like i don't know can i even sell this is it worth yeah do i do i want is that gonna hurt my credibility if i win this thing yeah um <laughs> Marks, uh, Stephen Chambers brings up a great point too that I want to touch upon. Sammy taking way too many risks, injuring his neck and left shoulder doing the three six thirty top of the ladder. 
Um, Mark, I mean, I you could see to... uh, Tay Conti being terrified on the outside of the ring. Yeah. Uh, I was speaking to a, a talent about some of this and like, you know, uh, if it happens to, you know, if these, if a lot of these newer guys and gals wrestled the schedule that, you know, was wrestled in the two thousands before and, and before they wouldn't be, be wrestling retired. Like They'd be retired already. Yeah. And they wouldn't be wrestling like the way we are right now. Like mm-hmm. it's, I mean, I know you can kind of make those highlights, but people do not care about that stuff. Uh, Brian James, the road dog on his new podcast. Oh, you didn't know. I help with that podcast. But uh, he said, uh, wrestling doesn't make a dime, doesn't draw a dime. What draws a dime is you, the people, like the the star. Okay, so doing these risks are so unnecessary. And it's just like, you don't want to see guys do that. Sammy's great. Like, he's a great heel. He's a great personality. He's like sharp-tongued, all that stuff. Uh, he doesn't need to do that stuff to, to that often. But pull it out, pull it out once a pay per view if you want. But just make You're it mean st- something because it does. The more you do it, and Marcus, that finish, I loved the spot where he did the back bump onto the barbed wire and was down. But then he got right back up, and it just like, why didn't the match just end there? It should have just ended there. Yep. Um, they're doing too much. And by the way, you know, here's here's the difference too is. When Mick Foley got thrown off the top of the cell, um, when Bam Bam Bigelow is like flinging Spike into the crowd, you know, like all these all these big spots that are just like holy shit. When we first saw them back in the day, these things that we'd never seen before. Now we've seen them a bunch. Now we see them all the time. We've seen Shane McMahon take some scarier bumps than Mick Foley took. Um, so it's it it doesn't mean anything anymore. So like. What that means is that nobody's going to be 10 years down the road. Uh, nobody's going to be like, hey, you remember when Sammy Guevara took that or uh, did that did that spot? I forgot about it this week, Tom. I wasn't thinking about it at all. You know, when Mick Foley was thrown off Hell in a Cell, it was all anybody talked about. All it's week still long. what people talk about. It's still what people talk about. It's it's probably the thing most associated with this Hall of Fame career. Um, nobody's going to remember that, that uh, Sammy Guevara took this risk, and he could have l- badly hurt himself, ended his career right then and there. Um, so, yeah, the wrestling is different. And so these guys t- doing these spots that would have gotten over huge, huge in the 1990s, they, they don't anymore. you got to borderline set yourself on fire in the ring to get that kind of attention nowadays. Um, so it's don't do it it's not worth it it's mm-hmm. it's it's a stupid pointless risk and you're like would they cut their career short as fast as they would have in the 90s no because in the 90s these guys were working you know I, i've heard stories about guys working 90 straight days in a row monday through friday for 90 straight days and then getting to go home for three days and then you go out and do it some more um so they, no if you were taking spots it's taking bumps like that in the 90s no uh sammy Guevara's career would be over by now so would darby allen um you but, just couldn't do it you couldn't you couldn't wrestle that tight right so. but now now uh they're they're just spreading it out it's going to end their careers eventually it's just going to take a little more time and uh you know obviously and like in a lot of regards the wrestling business is better off now when you consider like okay you know drugs aren't as pre- prevalent um you know th- you know there's not issues like you know anything as intense as it was back you know when we grew up watching it or beforehand. So it's like, there's some positives to it, but like, this is, this is something that's a little different where it's just like, okay, you're taking these risks. You, this, your the body just can't take that. 
it like many you're gonna wind up like dynamite kid um which is a, i mean if you look at any videos of him and it's in uh, in his later years i mean like that would be enough to scare me off of taking these crazy risks steven adds why sting taking risks also now i think from uh sting's perspective they're going to be very safe about sting and sting's going to be pretty darn safe about what he does too so any of those spots that he decides to take i think it's going to be well taken care of and everything like that so um you know i'm not as concerned about that one you know i it's that one's kind of fun <laughs> well because you know that they're doing all they can to to make sure sting is safe in those spots and everything like that so a lot of i i think there's just good amount of smoke and mirrors going on with people that are certain to take care of sting what well you know. let me let me say to steven's point um it's it's awesome but it's it's awesome once every three months um so now sting is doing this pretty pretty regularly isn't he um yeah. where it's like he's jumping off shit it's it's cool but at the same time it's like it's after a while it, it, it's like saying hey i love i love cake i'm gonna eat it for dinner every single night for for like a week it might be awesome after a week it's gonna start to suck but <laughs> and that it, to push back at that too marcus it's not like sting wrestles every week or every two weeks even he's like wrestling once a month, once every month and a half. So when you do pull those out, it's like kind of part of a sting match in, in AEW right now is, is doing that. So I don't think it, it's like you are eating cake. Like every time he has it, you get a sting match, but it's cake, you know, spread out pretty decently. It's, it's, it's cake. It's cake uh, often enough that it would make you sick. Um, and, I don't know about that. I mean, and, anytime sting does that stuff, I'm just not like, I, Look, I, I don't. I don't think that we need to have the expectation, which, by the way, is a thing now. Now there's the expectation. Oh, Sting's having a match. I bet he's going to jump off something. Um, and they shouldn't have planted that in in people's heads. I, because to me, Dom, what's special about it is that we didn't see it coming. Um, sure. So here's my so, defense. Again, my defense in that regard is that you don't. I don't necessarily go into that thinking that Sting's going to do that stuff. I think we've also been uh, taught in AEW that Sting almost has like a Hulk Hogan like uh, resiliency or endurance, where all of a sudden, like if he gets hit or something happens, he pops back up out of Starts nowhere, pounding his chest, pounding his chest, and boom, you get a Scorpion Death Drop, you get a Scorpion Death Lock. Um, I think they've kind of, for better lack of a better phrase, trained us to to uh, look that way at Sting right now. So I don't I mean, think. I'm not going in there going, okay, Sting's going to dive off like the fucking, you know, rafters, <laughs> like onto somebody. I'm thinking, okay, Sting's going to do something like cool that we're going to pop for that. I'm going to be excited to see because Sting is still going and he's 62. And, you know, like you don't, you can't tell that he's 62 in certain ways. So I think that's, that's what I'm looking forward to more. I'm not, and those are not, my expectations are not instilled where, oh, he's going to leap off something in every match. I'm not, I don't, I don't buy that. Look, if, if, if we're going to get Sting and if we're going get, to get Sting taking a risk, here's the risk I want. I want Sting to start wrestling singles matches um, as opposed to jumping off of shit. I would much rather see him climb into the ring with somebody like Dax from FTR or CM Punk or Daniel Bryan in a singles match where he's going to take some bumps but not jump off anything, go through a fucking table or set himself on fire, thumbtacks or whatever bullshit they've got in mind. I would much rather see him just have a straight-up match with CM Punk or Daniel Bryan or Dax from FTR or name any one of the awesome talent. 
Nesha just doesn't want Sting wrestling. She gets scared when Sting wrestles, she says. I get it. I get it. And by the way, after his neck injury in WWE, it's it's a legitimate reason to worry. However, you know, I, I'm much more nervous about Sting fucking jumping off things uh, than I would be about him taking a flat back bump. So I, I can understand that. I, yeah. And I think that's a fair point, too. I mean, if you mix it up too, where like every three months Sting wrestles a singles match. Something like that. That'd be pretty darn cool too. I mean, if if we're gonna see Sting wrestle now, is it just is he is he married to Darby Allen? Is it is that the thing? He's just I don't think so, Mark. But I honestly like, I think Sting being paired with Darby Allen even for this long is kind of a really really a good thing. I like it. No, I'm not. I'm, there's nothing against it, and I think that they work really well together. They're perfect together, actually. But like it, it you know, anytime we see Sting, it's Darby's involved. It, uh, it, let's let's take away Sting jumping off of shit, and if we, if if we want to take a risk with Sting, let's have let's risk him taking a flat back bump every once in a while. Yeah, no, I mean you make a fair argument, you know. I that's certainly part of it, you know, where I think, um, yeah, but I'm I'm certainly not under the impression that oh Sting's got to do a high risk maneuver every time he wrestles. I don't know. I I think probably not you, but I think that now a lot of the fans are conditioned like oh shit Sting and Darby are taking on. Whoever yeah, the Hardy Boys, like, I, I bet Sting's gonna do a fucking elbow drop off the rafters, Darby, off the top yeah. of the building. And Darby's just known to do that kind of stuff, anyway. So it's like, right? And you fuck yourself when you do that shit, um, because what happens if you come in one night and you're sick or you your back hurts or whatever, and you're like, I can go perform, but I'm not jumping off that shit. Then it's like it's the old Ric Flair thing where Rick is like, Yeah, I, I had similar matches all the time, but that was because when I would go to a wrestling event as a kid, and Ray Stevens wouldn't do all of his signature shit, I'd be upset about it. So like now it's becoming Sting's signature shit. I think people are aware that Sting is in his 60s. So I don't think that, I think that kind of cancels out the expectation of, hey, he's going to fucking dive off something. (laughs) Like do something fucking crazy. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's, um, hey, uh, speaking of crazy, Mark, how about uh, MJF's next potential challenger for uh, Wardlow? Yeah, uh yeah how about that how about that um yeah you know uh big cast w morrissey as he's now known um love the guy i think he's awesome i think he's a great talent he's got an irreplaceable look um it's he checks every single box so it's like uh yeah yeah let's have some fun you know if like this is the kind of shit that i i think is fun in wrestling and by the way it's a sustainable way to continue to do the surprises that tony khan loves so much where okay i'm not i'm not bringing this motherfucker in on a contract i'm bringing somebody in on a one night thing they did it with Hoovy, right jeff cobb they, they did it with jeff cobb they did it with uh nick gage um Nugata. Eugene Nagata. So like, that's a fun way. Like I, if it's up to me, this, this could go on for three months and every week he's bringing in somebody like he's, it's like a hired gun. He's bringing in somebody new to try to stop Wardlow. So like, it could be W Morrissey. It could be like, you know, whatever, whoever, Matt Cardona. How sweet would it be uh, if you got, now the only thing is like the great thing about how, okay. How sweet would it be if Hammerstone showed up? Oh, it would be it would be sick. It'd be awesome. The only thing you'd have to try to figure out, like he's the world champ of MLW, so like and Hammerstone's a fucking beast. So it's like you don't want to he's not taking a pin. 
Like you can't have it move. No, you'd have to get creative with the finish. Yeah. Um, but uh, Charlie, he said Lawler still wrestles. Uh, yeah. I would it like how fun would it be? Like, hey, let's let's Jerry Lawler of Savvy Veterans going to come in and try to unseat Wardlow. <laughs> Although I don't know yeah. if he could do the same. No, thing they're talking Powerball. about they're talking about back what we're talking about Sting still wrestling. Like, oh, okay, with Jerry Lawler. How but, how hilarious would it be? Uh, yeah. Lawler taking the Powerbomb Symphony. I don't yeah. know if that would be great. Um, it would be a good way to use Brian Cage, and by the way, it'd be a great way to debut uh, the Mortis gimmick if they would decide to go that route. Um, there's there's a ton of options, man. Uh, there's that dude who wrestles, uh, Mike Mike Jackson. He wrestles with NWA. He used to wrestle back in the 80s. It would just be fun to bring these fucking people in to try to like unseat Wardlow. I but like, it's got to make sense. You're not going to bring in Mike Jackson, who's like 72, Why? coming in. It might be fun. Like, probably be a lot of fun. I think W W Morrissey, like, he's a great baby face in Impact. Like that, that's gonna be an issue here, uh, <laughs> unless they play into that. Like the thing that I'm kind of not looking. I love Morrissey. I love him, and I think he should be like the Impact's world champ right now. I think he should be. I, he should be a champion in any, you know, promotion that he's working for. Honestly, um, so like I don't want to see. AEW position him in the light of being a heel because right now on impact he's clearly a baby face so like maybe he comes in because he wants to prove something against Wardlow I don't even want him to lose I don't even lose because like I want impact to protect their talent and this W Morrissey is somebody that's been very white hot I think for them and he cut such a baby face promo in Philadelphia where like that's where he like had a, a huge substance abuse situation where like he got taken out of the ambulance, he collapsed, you know, and then he came back at impact, cut this like honest and uh, big time babyface promo to kick off the show that perpetuated a feud between him, Matt Cardona and Brian Myers, who are now heels, like a great heel faction now. So they really set everything up. So a reason I don't want to see Morrissey uh, kind of be positioned as a heel because it just pushes back at what impact is doing right now. And I know, like, you know, it's sure, you know, more eyes are on AEW than Impact, but still, like, from, you know, the wrestling nerd slash purist slash, like, continuity standpoint, you want to see everything make sense, you know? If that forbidden door is open, we got to make sure that baby swings both ways, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, um, uh, I'm excited way, Nesha. Nesha just mentioned NWA had a 72 year old guy wrestle the other day. That's Mike Jackson. That's Mike um, Jackson. And that's Jamona. <laughs> it's not that Mike Jackson. Uh, this guy used to be a uh, an enhancement talent back in the old NWA day, days, back in the 80s. So he wrestled guys like Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, um, and now he's still working, which is nothing short of incredible. Uh, Marcus, get George Southers, Mike Jackson on AEW Dynamite. There you go. Let's get it. Book it. Uh, Dom, we have to wrap this thing up. I just got uh, something pretty crazy happen to me. A work oh, really? thing. So, yeah, might have okay, to uh, um, wrap this some bitch up. Let's wrap it up. Let me try to think. I don't want to. I know we probably are missing something pretty key, though. Um, okay. Let's, okay. This is this will be how we close it. The Jericho Appreciation Society, Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston got fireball of the face. That was a great promo. Great segment between him and Jericho. How about that shit? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. Um, the Jericho Appreciation Society um, has got heat with me. Um, so I like it. You know, I, I watch it as a fan. I'm like, God, these guys are fucking annoying. 
Um, I think that's a point. <laughs> well, yeah. And so, you know, when I when I take my fan hat off and I put on my analyst hat, I'm like, oh, it's, it's smart. They're making me as a fan get annoyed, which means that I want to see them lose. Um, so, yeah, it's they're doing their jobs. Um, yeah, the Kingston and the Fireball. Very. We're talking about Jerry Lawler. That's a that's some old school Lawler. Some Terry Funk shit right there. Some Terry Funk shit. Some uh, Warrior Hogan flash paper stuff. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Pump the brakes. <laughs> a lot of fire talk on this episode. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it was a it was a pretty cool, unique spot. Something that doesn't get used as much anymore. No, no. Uh, yeah, Eddie talking about like he smells the fear on Jericho and Jericho's his, the cell, his face. He may have oversold it a little bit. A <laughs> little bit, but it's, it's wrestling. It was like very Jim Carrey acting. <laughs> but then he fires back like him, him on Dynamite was great because he was, he was still keeping with it. That's what's great about Jericho. I'm telling you what, folks, if you are sick of Chris Jericho, you're going to miss him once he's gone. You're going to miss him because like he adds so much to it. Uh, from he can play any kind of role you want. He can he can talk on commentary. He's he's a fucking blast. All right, <laughs> um, like appreciate Jericho while we still got him at the you know run he's on. So uh, and he's in the best shape ever. So right. uh, yeah, mm -hmm. love love this version of Jericho. Um, as an analyst, as a fan, it, he's annoying me. So he's he's nailing. He's doing his job. Um, so yeah, yeah. It's uh, I think I think things are going well there. Uh, Dom, what do you got? Uh, you can see I am shaved. My mustache is shaved. Uh, my head is shaved. I am looking like Billy Graham when he returned as the Kung Fu Man. Ah. Hey, 45 years ago today, Billy Graham won the WWF title against Bruno San Martino. I wrote about that today on Ad Free Shows, This Day in History. Wrestling with History. Every day you get a little bit of something. If you uh, are the low subscriber on AdFreeShows.com. Yeah, Which is only, cool. by the way, uh, nine ninety nine per month. That's right, that's right. So uh, I have that kicking. Uh, stay tuned for my Lash Larue interview coming up. I'm very excited to get that baby cooking and everything like that. Um, as far as interviews go, I'm trying to think what we have on on. This Hang show. on, Nesha. You say you see Super Mario Brothers. Uh, go look up Kung Fu Billy Graham real quick, and uh, and you'll see Dom actually bears a striking resemblance, uh, aside from not being anywhere near as muscular. Go ahead, Dom. That's right. Or have as much charisma. Right. <laughs> Either way, hey, uh, check out WrestleZone.com. Uh, we're doing some good stuff over there. Um, as far as um anything else goes. Uh, yeah, just hey, you know what? Give us hey. uh, give us a little uh, likes on uh, on the the fucking iTunes, <laughs> Spotify. <laughs> just go to WrestleZone, subscribe to the podcast, give us a five star review. I'm gonna get our actual feed kicking too for two dynamite dudes, uh, its own feed. So be on the lookout for that. I'll try to plug that heavy too. So if you guys can give us ratings once I get that cooking again, do that. Um, hey, there's going to be a little bit of a change coming up next week. I haven't even told Marcus about it. There's a little bit of a change. Nothing extreme, but uh, I just have an idea. It's just going to be something a little different. Oh, well, ordinarily you run these ideas past me before you announce that we're making a change, but I guess we're not doing that this time. So, yeah, all right, know, there will be a change next thing. week. Um, I have less respect for you since you have, like, just billed on me several times. So, oh my plus God. you insult my mustache. It's a, it's a fine mustache. Thanks. Um, this is a fine show. A fine show.
Uh, good to good to see everybody's two weeks of Marcus. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully I'll be back next week. We'll see how things are going. But until what? then, folks. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> until <laughs> until then. No, I'm sure I'll be back. Uh, until then, though, we will see you guys next week right here on Two Dude Dynamite Dudes on a Rampage. Adios. See you guys.